Thank you for tuning into Calvary Life Keller's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged in your personal relationship with Jesus. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit us at www.calvarylife.us. Good to see you guys. Good to be here. Um, I am excited. First of all, thank you, worship team. What a beautiful job that you did. Give them a hand. Praise the Lord. They just really pointed us towards Christ. That was beautiful. I loved it. Um, also, I want to just add on to what Chelsea said. We really do value the life groups because we value community. It's not about life groups, it's about community, right? It's about learning and growing together. So thank you, Chelsea, that was a very beautiful job. Um, uh, Rita is also doing a group, and then Brad is doing a group on financial management. And um, yeah, <laughs> that, I think that probably a lot of you want to go to that, but I think some of you might be nervous to go to that. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to see how bad I'm doing. No, don't be that way. I mean, just go get some help. It's going to be great. So sign up for that group or Rita's group or Chelsea's group, and I know you're going to be blessed. All right, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to read down through chapter 4, verse 10. And uh, we've been talking about identity for several weeks now, and, um, and I'm going to... I guess I'm going to wrap that series up on identity. So and um, next week, Pastor John will be with us, and then after that will be Easter. Hallelujah. The greatest day of the year, I think. It's just, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. Is Christmas or Easter? I guess the answer is yes, right? So the answer is yes. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 13, verse 16. First, I also wanted to say this. I'm sorry. I just wanted to thank all of you who prayed for my wife and I while we were sick. Um, she was sick about two days. I was sick for about six weeks. In fact, I actually still have a little bit of pneumonia even now. Um, and I, am, I was claiming healing while Tracy was leading us in that song about he's our healer. Or I think Caitlin was leading. One of them was. And... Um, and I was thanking God for that, and I have been continually thanking God for my healing, but I want to thank all of you for praying for us. Um, and also, I think some of you have been praying for us. We actually have two new grandchildren, right? <laughs> Born three days apart. <laughs> three days apart. So we're going to be busy keeping the road hot between here in College Station and here in Oklahoma City. Three hours south and three hours north, but we're going to go see those babies. In fact, we were there yesterday. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, finally getting to the word. My apologies. <clears throat> when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, and note that phrase. That's what we're going to really focus on, is that the devil tried to attack Jesus at the point of who he was which I find it very fascinating that he tried that. For some reason, he thought it would be successful, but it wasn't. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, And their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Father, I pray you'd help me to say what you want me to say. Help me to not say what you don't want me to say. I pray that that you would help us to hear what you want us to hear. And that we would be shaped and molded and changed and set free by your word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I've already said, it's interesting to me that that the devil seemed to think that Jesus' point of vulnerability would be his identity. Two out of the three temptations. Now, notice that. Two out of the three temptations... Satan started with, if you are the Son of God. Two out of the three temptations, Satan started by challenging Jesus' identity. I think that's very critical. So I'll make the point again later, but I think the point for us to take away from that is if that's how he thought Jesus would be vulnerable, chances are that's how he thinks we will be vulnerable. And that he will attack us at the point of our identity. He will attack us at the point of who we are, of what we are. And so Jesus obviously withstood that temptation very well. But how about us? How are we going to withstand that temptation? And I will tell you, as having had many, many years as a pastor, I can tell you that many people don't deal with it very well. That many of us are greatly challenged when it comes to that. So first of all, I want to talk a little bit about who Jesus really was. Who was Jesus? I have often found people to be very shocked and and really almost dismayed, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the classroom, when I say that Jesus wasn't always Jesus. Right? Jesus became Jesus. He became, but he wasn't always Jesus. 
He wasn't always, and I would even say, the son of God. But I would not go that far. Well, actually, I would go that far, but I wouldn't battle for that. He wasn't always Jesus. Who was he? What was he? John chapter 1, thank you. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word. And everybody in the room could quote it. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so now we could take a moment and take a side trail, which I'm not going to, but we could take a moment and talk about the Trinity. Because Jesus was with God, so that kind of makes him distinct from God, yet he was God. What is that? <laughs> well, that's, that's two persons of the Trinity. So he was clearly God, but he was with God, so you have him equal with God, he is God, and yet he's distinct from God. You have three persons in one essence, three persons in one being. Jesus always was. I just want that to sink in for a minute because the devil is tempting him. The devil, before he rebelled against God, knew Jesus. Now think about that. He knew the eternal Lagos. And so I just said a word that's important, and I'll get back in the picture. The... Um, that's the word eternal. Jesus is eternal. Now, I think that most of us can kind of get our minds around eternity future. We kind of have a sense of, I think we all think we're going to live forever, right? So we kind of have a feeling of the eternity future. But you cannot, you cannot grasp eternity past. The fact that God absolutely just always was. There never was a time when Jesus wasn't. He, he just always was. And he is also the creator. John chapter 1 goes on to say, And all things were made through him, and nothing was made that was made without him. Jesus was always there. He is eternal. He always existed. There never was a time that he wasn't. I love to think about it that way. There never was a time that he wasn't. And he also was the creator. He created every single thing. God created the world through the word. And not only that, but Colossians tells us, and I forgot the verse... Uh, my wife could tell me, but in him all things consist. And what that means is everything is held together. In fact, did not, Jesus did not only create the earth, he actually holds it together even right now. He is, he is God. He's God. It's amazing to stop and think about Jesus before he became Jesus. He always was the Logos. He wasn't always Jesus. He became Jesus, and he's still Jesus. But he wasn't Jesus. He was the Logos. And he's still the Logos, too. So just make sure I get that in there. But Jesus became flesh. 
John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, tell us he's God. Then it skips on up to verse 14, and it says, and you could probably all quote this with me, and the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Jesus was always God, but he became flesh. Everybody staying with me on this? I know I'm kind of setting this up. He was always God, but he became human. Philippians chapter 2 says that he, that he was in the form of God. He didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God, but then he laid aside his divine privileges. The word there is kenosis. He emptied himself. He emptied out his divinity. Now, he was always God. He never stopped being God, but he laid it all aside and, became, and took on the form of a man became humbled even to the point of death, the death on a cross. Sorry. So, <clears throat> I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> he became flesh. And it was as a man, I, so I have pondered, and I actually, I started pondering on this months ago in my personal devotions. I just was so struck by this story. And I pondered on it, pondered on it, and wondered why in the world the devil thought Jesus was going to be vulnerable at this point. And I still don't have an answer for it. But all I can say is the devil knew Jesus as the Logos. Think about that. And now he sees him as a man. He sees him probably as weak. He's just gone through 40 days of fasting. He's been sleeping on the rocks for 40 days. It even was probably, there were wild animals around. And he, the devil, evidently thought he is now weak. He's probably thinking, who am I? Yeah. I thought I was God, but now I'm just weak. Can you imagine God being weak? God being hungry. God probably maybe feeling a little bit lonely. I don't know. Loneliness is a very, very difficult thing. It's painful. It's, it's physically painful. And, and he thought, I've, I think I can get him right here. I think I can get him right here at the point of his identity. And so I think that's why, I think that, that that's the best I can come up with, yeah. is it was because of Jesus' humanity. He was God, but he had become flesh. And right now, as flesh, he was weak. He was hungry. He was maybe lonely. He was uncomfortable. I mean, 40 days without a bath. Think about that. No, no. <laughs> okay, don't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping on the ground, in the open. He was, he was a weak, hungry man. And I think the devil thought he could get him. And so I think we, because everybody in this room is flesh. 
Everybody in this room is flesh and blood, and everybody in this room has moments of weakness, of being hungry, of being sad, of being lonely. And the devil, what I think is, he, sh he showed his hand. This is where he's going to attack us, at the point of our identity. So we have a lot of points of identity. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather. Can we all say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. A, um, I love my kids, but man, my grandkids are just special. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope, yeah, I think actually my daughter's watching. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm a professor. Those are all points of identity. But they're really not identity. Those are really roles in which I function. See the difference? They're really roles in which I function. It's not who I am. I think that we, I think that we have, I think we struggle with this. We have the point of identity just about our person, our, our physical being, our, whether we're big or small, whether we're fat or skinny, whether we're athletic or not athletic. We, I think that, that messes with us. And, and I think that for a lot of people, their identity is totally wrapped up in their body. We had a very, very dear friend of ours, great, great man, passed away, gone to be with the Lord, but he was big. He was 6'8", and I don't know how much he, he was, I wouldn't call him like, you know, fat, fat, but he was just big. He was just a big man. And, and he, he was so self-conscious of that. He told me that every time I walk in the room, I feel like everybody's looking at me. That was how he felt. At church, he always sat on the back row. He didn't want to block anybody's view. I mean, he identified as a big man. That was a, that was a huge part about his identity, was his bigness. I think we, I think we identify with our, our intellect. We feel a lot of times dumb. There are people in this room who feel dumb. Just let that sink in. You, some of you feel dumb. And that's not who you are. That's not, who, that's not your identity. Some people feel smart. That's not who you are either. <laughs> yeah, thank God for being smart, but that's not who you are. That's just something that you possess. I think, we, I think we identify with our personality. Some people are witty. I have a dear friend, a pastor. He used to pastor in Waxahachie. Now he pastors in Katy, Texas, and, and he was our district supervisor. And every, I've traveled all over the state. I've traveled out of, not out of the country, but I, my wife's traveled out of the country with him. I've traveled out of the state, all over the, all over the nation with him. And he is the life of every party. Every party. He, I mean, no matter where we go. And he's just this country guy. He's very smart, but he's just a country guy. But he's the life of every party. Me, I'm a wallflower. I hate parties. I mean, 
I should not have admitted that. Sorry, Pastor. Yeah, I let that slip. <laughs> I, I just, I just, just not me. I just feel like, man, I, I mean, I just don't fit. That's how I feel. But that's not who I am. But for a lot of people, that would be their point of identity. They feel like a social klutz. They feel like a wallflower. They feel like they never have the right thing to say. They feel like they always dress wrong. I'm overdressed, I'm underdressed. They just feel out of place. And some of you feel that way. Some of you feel out of place. Almost no matter where you are, you feel that way. And the devil would like to work on that and tell you that's who you are. That's, you, that's your identity. And that's not true. I think another place that we feel a point of identity is our status in life. I have someone who shared with me the story of going through a divorce. Very godly person who did everything in their power to save their marriage. Fought for a year. Even though their spouse had filed for a divorce, they fought and they fought and tried everything they could to, to save their marriage. And finally it failed. The spouse said, no, I'm done. Filed for a divorce. I mean, went through with the divorce and the divorce was final. And this person, godly person, tells me that the next morning they got up to take a shower and they stood in the shower and they felt like a big X was across them. They felt X'd out by life. They felt like they were a failure. They felt tremendous shame. They felt rejection. And all of those things were the devil saying, that's who you are. You are a divorcee. That's who you are. You are a divorcee. And there are people in this room that feel that way. Maybe with that very particular thing. But there are other statuses in life that, that, we, that we're, we're poor. And there are people who feel poor. That's their identity. They just, I mean, they may get a million dollars, they still feel poor. We just feel poor. And that's how, that's how we identify ourselves. There's, we also identify ourselves, and, and the world right now, and I'm just going to address this. I don't know why I always address this, but anyhow, <laughs> the, the world wants us to identify ourselves by our race. I don't get up in the morning and think, well, I'm a white man. <laughs> I don't think Pastor Winmar gets up in the morning and thinks, well, I'm a black man. But that's how the world, I, I really think that, and I, I could really go down this trail, and I'm not going to, but I really think that it is demonic. Yes. That, the, that the demonic forces are just working in the world and pressing the race issue. And wanting us to be divided along those lines. You know, I, I can just say, I, Pastor Wimmer and I, we, we love each other. I think he loves me, but um, <laughs> I know he does. I know he does. And we talk and we share and we relate. But he doesn't talk and share with me as a white man. 
I don't talk and share with him as a black man. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. And that's, that is the spirit of the world that's trying to press us into these, I'm a black man, I'm a white man, I'm a whatever man. Um, right now, Asian is an issue, obviously, with all that just happened in Atlanta. And man, we, I think the church needs to be very aware of it. The church needs to address it. But the church needs to live beyond it. We need to live beyond it. Amen. So, but that's, that's just another way that the, that the devil tries to get us to identify ourselves. I'm, I'm really not sharing the scriptures right now. I'm just talking gener generically, but I want us to kind of get the point. Another way the devil tries to get us to identify ourselves is through our performance or lack thereof. Okay? For, for a lot of years, several years, I, I identified as a failure. That was, I mean, that's how I, that was my point of identity. I was a pastor of a church. The pa my church was a wonderful church. And looking back, I realized how wonderful it was. <laughs> but at the time, for a season of time, we had like 40% turnover three or four years in a row. It, I mean, people were leaving faster than they were coming. So it was, it was, it was so disheartening. And, and, and really what the point was, I was trying to be something that I wasn't. I was trying to pastor in a way that I wasn't called to pastor. I had lost my identity. And in so doing, I, I mean, I just told, when I thought of myself, I thought of myself as a failure. That's how I thought of myself. I thought of myself, I, I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. That's just how I felt. The performance. Performance. The devil will try to get you on your performance. You're, you are failing. You aren't living up. You aren't worthy. And, and, you're, and you will get sucked into that. So I'll leave all of that now for finally. But so just to summarize it, I think that we need to recognize that there, we have many points of identity. Our person, our body, our intellect, our emotions. I've known people that have identified as angry. Always blowing up, always angry, and you talk to them about it, and here's what they would tell me. That's just who I am. What is that? That's a point of identity. I identify as an angry person. So a body, our emotions, our intellect, our status in life, poor, rich, black, white, doesn't matter, or our performance. And all of those become points of identity that the devil presses on for us. But how do we respond? How, how do you... Let me just stop and say this. I really felt like that God was going to set some people free today. So I'm just going to stand on that. Because I know, I mean, I've just been doing this too long. I know there are people in this room whose point of identity is something other than what God has to say about you. And the devil is pressing on that and pushing on that, 
and speaking to you and lying to you and causing you to feel whatever you're feeling. So how do we respond? What, what is our response? Well, let's go back to Jesus. What did Jesus say? And I know when usually when you take the, the temptation of Christ, you deal with the different temptations and, and all of that, and that's a great way to approach it. But I, I'm just focusing on one, one part today. The devil's challenge of Jesus' identity. That's all I'm really going to focus on. So how did Jesus respond the first time the devil said, if you're the son of God? What he said was, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, first of all, notice that he said man. He didn't say, I'm the Logos, don't you know that? He just, he just said, yeah, I'm a man. I'm human. That's who I am. I embrace it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me ask you a question. What words had just proceeded from the mouth of God? What had Jesus just heard the Father say 40 days earlier? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That was the word that Jesus had heard proceeding from the mouth of God. I think Jesus was saying, what? What are you talking about? I just heard the father say, I am his beloved son. And he's well pleased in me. What? Is that all you got, devil? Is that it? Are you serious? I just heard him tell me that. Amen? And so I want to tell you, while we will probably never hear, you might, and if you do, I'm jealous, but you might hear God say, this is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son. You might hear that vocal words of God, but most likely you won't. But we have just as sure a witness. We have a Bible full of what God has to say about us. We have a Bible full of him speaking, of words proceeding from his mouth about you and about me. And that's what we need to believe. I don't know if the devil thought that Jesus now, because he'd been 40 days without food, 40 days sleeping in the wilderness, 40 days without a bath, sorry, Sandy, the, uh, the, uh, maybe he forgot what God had said. And I think that's probably what he felt. But Jesus had not forgotten. Why did he say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? Because... He was referencing what had just proceeded from the mouth of God. That he's my beloved son. And we have just as sure a witness. So who are we? How do we respond? Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says that your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you are, in a sense, you don't even exist. You are, you are in Christ. You are with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. 
and you're hidden in God with Christ. We are in Christ. And so let me just talk about that for a moment. In fact, I want to challenge you. I know I've said this before, at least I think I have. I've spoken several times, but and I can't imagine I would speak more than three or four times without mentioning this. But I challenge you to take Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Have I mentioned this before? You just weren't paying attention. So, <laughs> so take Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And, and every place you see the words, Tracy, you know what I'm going to say? You better know. 30 years of being your pastor. So, um, the, uh, I think you do know. So, we, you find every place that you see where it says, in Christ. Or in him. Or it might say, by Christ. Or it might say, by him. Or it might say, through Christ. Or it might say, through him. One place it doesn't say him or Christ, it says the beloved. We've been accepted in the beloved, and obviously the beloved is Christ. This transformed my life. I was 19 years old. We had a young minister come to our church doing his internship at our church, and he challenged us to do this. I did this. And what you do is once you've gone through and you've circled every single place or underline it or mark it, however you want to do it, jot it down, however you want to do it, and then go back and begin to meditate on it. And what you will see is who you are. Yeah. You will see your true identity. This is who you are. You are hidden with Christ. You are in Christ. And this is who you are. You've been made holy and blameless, it says. Holy and blameless. So spiritually, you're okay. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've talked to people who have said, Pastor, I don't know if I'm even saved. They weren't even secure in their salvation. You are saved. Yes. Amen? Amen? If you believe in Jesus, you are saved. All right, good? We got that settled? Right. You are blameless and holy before God in Christ. You are made his son. You're adopted as sons and daughters. Think what it would be like to be Bill Gates' son. Well, you may not like that, but at least you'd get whatever you wanted. You'd have whatever you wanted. You'd have money, you'd have security, you'd probably feel important. You'd have a lot of feelings that would probably be positive. But you're God's son. You're God's daughter. Ephesians 2.19, skipping over to the next chapter, says that we've been made members of his household. Members of his household. We're, we're his sons and we're his daughters. It goes on to say that you've been made accepted. I like, to, I like to put in there, and I don't think it changes the scriptures. We've been made acceptable in the beloved. You've been made acceptable in the beloved. So I go to parties and I feel okay because <laughs> I know I'm acceptable and I'm accepted. 
And so then I leave, and I'm happy to be gone. <laughs> now, the next time you invite me to a party, you're going to worry about that. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. But then I made, you've been made acceptable. How many people do I talk to who feel like they don't fit, they don't belong, they're not worthy, they don't measure up? But you've been made acceptable in the Beloved. He's made you acceptable. Amen? You've been sealed with the Spirit. You've been redeemed. You've been sealed with the Spirit. Ephesians 1.14. What does that mean? It means that God has you covered. And, and nothing can take you away from Him. Nothing. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that we, Jesus, I love this verse because the way it's worded, it, it, it's shocking, actually. It didn't say Jesus took our sin. It says Jesus became our sin so that we could not have the righteousness of God, but that we could be the righteousness of God. Wow. You... Your identity is the righteousness of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that you cannot be condemned. You cannot be condemned. And any voice that seems to be condemning you is not God. You cannot be condemned. I just got to say that one more time. You cannot be condemned because you are in Christ Jesus. In Revelation 3.18, I love this verse. It says that God, when we're in Christ, that our shame will not be exposed. Our shame will not be exposed. The dear person standing in the shower, feeling X'd out, feeling shame. God covered that shame. Covered that shame. Shame. Shame is a very powerful, powerful emotion. And I think we often succumb to it. And God in Christ covers it. Takes it away. You don't have to feel shame because you're in Christ. Amen? Amen. So how do we respond when the devil comes and saying, eh, you're not really a Christian or whatever he begins to say to you? What do you say? You don't, notice that Jesus never once responded directly to the devil's temptation. He never said, oh, no, 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 I really am the son of God. He never said that. <laughs> he just said, I'm going to live by the word that proceeds, that proceeded from the mouth of my father. And that word was, I'm his beloved son. And he's well pleased in me. And I'm going to live by that. And that's, that is it's that simple. 
I, I don't want to make it where I'm oversimplifying it, but it really is that simple. What God has said about you is true. And everything else is a lie. Everything else is a lie. And your identity, you are hidden with Christ and God. You're hidden with Christ and God. I want to make one quick comment about the devil's final temptation. It really isn't related, but I think it's important to cover it. The devil said he would show him, he showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I will give this to you if you fall down and worship me. I think the devil knew, well, he thought he knew Jesus' mission. He thought Jesus came to get all the kingdoms of the world and get all their glory. That really wasn't why he came. Why he came was to seek and to save those who were lost. Right? But he thought he knew his mission, and he, and he offered him a shortcut. And so I just want to say three quick things about that. Number one is that I think, Jesus, I think the devil misunderstood Jesus' mission. I already said that. Number two, notice that God had said to Jesus, this is so important. Please focus back in. I know, it's, you're kind of, I know we've got that time now we're starting to stray, right? So focus back in. So God had said to Jesus, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased before Jesus had done anything. Okay, that didn't sink in enough. Jesus had not accomplished anything. Jesus hadn't healed anybody, hadn't cast out any demons, hadn't forgiven anybody. He had been born, he had been raised. I guess he was a carpenter. We don't know much about Jesus. Well, we don't know anything about his life, really, past age 12. But now he was a man, fully grown, 30 in Jewish culture. That made him become fully a man. And God said, I'm well pleased in you. Before he did anything. What, why am I saying that? God's approval of you, listen to me. God's approval of you is in your identity in Christ. It has absolutely nothing to do with what you do for him. Now, he has a mission for you. He has a call on your life. He has a purpose for you. And he delights in you fulfilling that. But that has nothing to do with him saying, you're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son. That's your identity. That's your identity. The other is what you do. That's your mission. But he accepts you on your identity. And the third thing I forgot. Oh, I know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> the, the third thing is, you can't take any shortcuts. And you can't compromise in accomplishing God's mission. Wow. And our mission will be fulfilled when we are secure in our identity. Our mission will be fulfilled when we're secure in our identity. So, let's wrap it up. This is, I mean, like, I'm really passionate about this. I don't know if it's coming through or not, but, but I feel this so strongly, and probably because I have dealt with so many people over the years that I've seen this battle. If you struggle with 
identity, if you struggle with who you are, if you struggle with feelings of shame, if you struggle with feelings of worthlessness, insignificance, failure, I want you to, I'm just going to encourage you to do, take me up on my Ephesians 1 through 3 challenge. Read those three chapters over and over. Meditate on what it says about who you are and what you are. And there are other places in the epistles where that occurs as well, but not, I mean, it's just like concentrated in those three chapters. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and tell you, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. This is who you are. This is your identity. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And in you, I'm well pleased. Not in what you've done. Right? In you. In you. In you, I'm well pleased. Let's stand together. <clears throat> I, like I said, I felt like, I felt like there would be people that would find freedom today. So I really want to allow you to <clears throat> process what has just been said. And if it doesn't fit you, doesn't apply to you, fine. I mean, you know, you just heard another message and you can go your way. But, but if it did... If it does, please don't just rush out yeah. and forget about it. Think about what I've said. Think about what God has said. Think about the word and ask the Lord to help you be set free from your points of identity that are wrong. I could tell you story after story of God, of God helping me walk to a place of freedom. I was a mess. I was a mess. God helped me walk through a place to a place of freedom. And, and of course, I still am. I'm, I'm not, not there yet. But, uh, but, but I made huge jumps. And you can too. You can too. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help this word to sink into our hearts. God, that there are men and women in this room right now that desperately needed to hear what was shared today. I believe that, or I don't think you would have had me share it. And so I pray, Father, for healing from those places of, of lies that they've listened to. Some have listened to lies for years. And yet today, in a moment of time, you could change that. You could set them free from that and help them realize who they really are to see their true identity in Christ. I pray, Lord, that men and women will be set free today. Men and women will walk in the fullness of their identity, that they will live free and joyful, fulfilled. I ask you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's podcast. Thank you and have a blessed week.